This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN. Welcome back to another episode of Sporting Max. Thanks to Bastion GRP for all your specialist needs in recruiting, engineering and defence. Go to bastiongrp.com.au. Now, today on the show, we have a 350 NBL gamer. He's been an absolute superstar of the league for a long time now. He's knocked down a couple of daggers this season. Jason Kadee. Jason, it's an absolute honour to have you on. How are you? Good, mate. Yourself? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Now, I want to get straight into it. You grew up with in a very, I guess, basketball and sport-related family. What was that like? Yeah, it was... Um... Obviously, looking back on it now, it's very cool. Um, I guess you could say basketball has been a very big part of my life for a long time just because of my family's involvement. Um, and then as I get kind of older now, you really start to appreciate, I guess, all the things that my family's done in the sport. And I guess um, I guess the reputation they have as the Kadeen name and, and further down the line, I just think it's, it's, it's really such a special thing for me to be part of. And then to build my own kind of... Um, I guess, reputation and hope that I can upkeep the name that they've kind of, I guess, um, represented and, and came across in so many great ways. I just, yeah, I feel very fortunate to have a family who's so intertwined in basketball like mine. Was there any pressure on you or did you feel any pressure as a kid coming through the ranks? Not really because my parents uh, didn't really put pressure on me. There was moments, I guess, where... I wouldn't say that people or families or other kids would use my name against me and say, oh, your dad's Robbie Kiddie and so on like that. So I definitely got that when I was younger, but I also felt like I I did enough of my own speaking through my basketball to know that that, that meant nothing and I was actually good enough making my own path. It wasn't because of who my mum and dad were and they were just excellent for me. They always were. I've always said my dad is my biggest fan and my harshest critic. He still is. He, he always told me what I needed to work on, but also praised me when I did well. And I think that goes a long way into uh, allowing me to become the person I have. Absolutely. So he went to a sports school, I believe. That's right. As a kid, what impact did that have compared to possibly going to, you know, a more school-based orientated school um, rather than a sports school? Yeah. Westfield Sport, I was excellent. Um, It's it's a lot of great athletes have come through that school in terms of, uh, I don't know, the list goes on, cricketers, Michael Clark, um, rugby league players. You've had Israel Folau, Jared Hayner, a lot of elite rugby league, a lot of elite Mm -hmm. soccer players, Aaron Moy, who plays for the Socceroos now. So I think um, in in terms of the sports school, there was still obviously a lot of study done and a lot of schoolwork done, but just uh, basketball counted as a subject. So, uh, three days a week instead of um, a certain subject that you might have had to choose, basketball was included. So you would have a training session on, say, a Monday, Thursday, Friday, and that was your subject instead of having a, a different uh, subject. So we still did all the other stuff, English, maths, science, everything else. We were just fortunate enough if you made the program, like the other sports as well, that that was part of your schooling. And I think it, it, it did a lot for me because I was able to be at school but also keep – really focusing on basketball, which was obviously something I loved. And I was around other kids my age who also loved it. So I think it went a long way in helping me and allowing me to really keep developing as I was um, in school and then playing reps as well. What skills did you develop through that program, I guess, that you maybe didn't have at the start prior to going to that school? I'd say a lot because I, I guess 
once again, it, it was a big part of my development. I go from being a, a 12-year-old going to school and I leave that school being a 17-year-old. So, Does that develop years, your IQ, I guess? Like, a lot of, I think a lot of it. I think the, the biggest part to your point then before about I was with other kids who were kind of towards the top or echelon at like six or seven of them of different age groups, the year below and above and older kids. You're playing with some of the better kids from around New South Wales. Not all the best kids, but just some, some better kids and from other teams. And so you're playing with older people. You're playing with younger people. You're playing with some very good ones. You're playing with some okay people. And so I think having that kind of balance of, of doing stuff like that and our coach, Bernie Slattery, was very good too. It just allowed me to kind of figure things out on the fly. And and as I said, just I'm at school, but I have that as part of a subject. It just it really helped me be able to develop as I was going through those years. What about when you get to that age, 17, 18, was there ever a choice you had to make or even earlier, in fact, with that where you had to make a choice other than basketball or was it always basketball? It was always pretty much basketball. I did definitely play a little bit more. I probably just had to focus more on basketball once it got to about 13, 14. I kind of was in that place where I played a little bit AFL and did a little bit of all these other things. But I got to that age where I just uh, I knew that basketball was it for me and um, all those other sports start to drop off. Yeah, absolutely. Now, 2008 New South Wales male athlete and basketball of the year. Then skip a couple of years forward of that 2010 Nike Hoops Summit in the US. What was that like? It was incredible. Um, I, I obviously to that point I had some uh, like just journeys I'd been on with the Australian team and the junior Australian team, and so I'd seen a lot of things in like the space of like a very short amount of time. I think it was over twelve months. This just all started to snowball, and then going to the Hoop Summit, I was there with just. I mean, the likes of Kyrie Irving, Harrison Barnes. Uh, we had Corey Joseph, Tristan Thompson on our team, Ines Cantor. Like, just now NBA talent everywhere, obviously. And and just to be in that environment, scouts everywhere, it was just something that I, a uh, kid from Australia, hadn't seen of before, really. So it was definitely a different environment. But a week I really enjoyed just seeing so many different kids from around the world on my team, but then playing against the best high school kids, but then seeing the media attention and, Everything goes with it. It was a, it was a really cool week, and I, I felt like I actually represented myself and, and and everyone really well the way I played and went about it. What would have been the best part of that week, representing your country overseas in, I guess, not representing officially, but having that representation over there? Yeah, it was cool because um, for the uh, world team, you all have your country where you're from when you're singlet. So. Mm-hmm. Whilst you, had, whilst you had world team, my own had Australia on it. So, and then someone else had China and so on. And so having that jersey, which I still have, and getting everyone to sign it was pretty cool. And just, as I said, the whole week was just such an experience. It's hard to label one thing. Like, the game was awesome, but so much throughout the week. And, and we got to watch uh, Dallas play Portland because it was in mm-hmm. Portland. And Dirk Nowitzki had 40 or something. So, there were just all parts of the week that were really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Now, 2010, later on in that year, before we get to signing with the Gold Coast Blazers, I want to talk about as a young junior representing Australia for the Emus at World Cups and Oceania Championships and things like that. How surreal of an experience was that? Yeah, it was just, as I said to you, all these things kind of took place in the space of about 12 months. So I did all my New South Wales stuff. I hadn't really been to the AIS for anything. And then next minute I was basically invited down for a camp and then three months later I was joining the RAS and then that next year I went from 
basically joining the AIS, going away to a pre-Worlds tournament, making that team, going to the World Champs for the Emus. And off the back of that, I made the Australian men's team to go away. So that space of time, I, it was like a whirlwind for me, but something that I truly think helped me in so many ways because I was just seeing so much different basketball and I was around so much talent and some of them pros and it really it went a long way and being able to go to a world tournament especially with the emus of the 19s great group of guys we were really close a lot of us with RAS. it just it kind of showed me what that level of basketball and what it's like to play amongst just a bunch of other at the time kids but a bunch of other athletes who were just really there for the right reasons and it's one of those things you just always remember because it's kind of the best basketball you're playing against the best kids from around the world and you're you really learn so much through that time and you just, you play with kids who just want to do whatever they can to help everyone win. And I think that's really a cool thing to be a part of. So you mentioned playing against kids who at that time um, weren't professionals or anything like that. What was it like when you did make that pro jump and sign with the Gold Coast Blaze? You know, you with Gibbo, Chris Golding, all those kinds of guys. Yeah, it was awesome. Obviously I had my little setback with my accident, which kind of delayed the whole proceedings and, and flipped my world upside down. But, I, I chose the Gold Coast originally. I didn't know Joey Wright. I only knew Gibbo a little bit. I only knew, like, I didn't really know Bubbles at the time, Goulding. And then I only knew a few of the guys from when I was younger, like James Harvey played with the Razorbacks. Mm-hmm. So I just felt they had a good veteran presence. And it'd be a good atmosphere at the time of me deciding to go there and be around those kind of guys. And so, obviously, the accident got, comes a bit after I signed, so that kind of delayed it. But those guys... Me going into that environment as a rookie was awesome. Like the level of talent, the type of guys they were. Um, obviously, everyone sees how their careers have gone on now. But at the time, just I, I had so much fun learning and getting through it. And, and the club as a whole was so good to me. Like coming off what I did was really hard and, and a big learning process for me as a, basically a child. And all those guys embraced me. They were all very cool. And they just they helped me so much get to where I am now. Can you take me through that tough time in your life, that car accident and the rehab that followed? Yeah, obviously um, on the freeway, driving home, get pushed off the freeway, end up spinning out and then getting hit by a semi-trailer on the driver's side and uh, stuck in the car for 90 minutes. Um, helicopters there, ambulances, people everywhere. By the time I got cut out, into the, they ended up putting me just in an ambulance because it was supposed to be quicker and uh, in hospital for about two weeks, find out I got a broken pelvis. And then basically from there, it was just learn how to walk again, learn how to basically do everything again. So it was a big reset. I lost a lot of weight because I didn't eat for like two weeks. So it was just a big reset on kind of where my whole life was heading. This is after just the things we spoke about, doing a lot of those things. And I was getting ready. I made my decisions going to the Gold Coast. So it, it was a big learning process in terms of getting my body back to being healthy and being able to handle the uh, – I guess the day-to-day about being among amongst men in a professional environment, it's it's one of those things that, oh, yes, it, it trains you so well to be used to that environment. But now coming off what I did, it was almost just a reset to everything that I've worked on. So it, it was definitely challenging, but it probably um, it, it probably helped me so much, I guess, moving forward. And uh, it's one of those things that sometimes you got to go through certain challenges, and that was one for me. How did you find Coach Joey Wright on, at the Gold Coast Blazers? We've had him on the podcast before. He's a great man. Um, I've heard stories, you know, he helps players, assist them with whatever they need, you know, gets their early individual work. I've heard him do a bit of that with Mitch Creek and things like that. But yeah. then also there's the other side where he works you hard, he pushes you to your limits, um, make sure he gets the best out of you. Yeah, he's tough. Uh, Joey Wright is definitely one of the tougher coaches you'll play for. And 
sometimes demanding, challenging, and sometimes you might even think it, it's too much. But he's someone that I'm very fortunate to have crossed paths with. Uh, I think he is an excellent, an excellent coach for junior players because he allows you, uh, he gives you time to develop, he helps you develop, but he allows you the freedom to play and and kind of make some mistakes as long as you're doing it the right way. And and, you, and he allows you to really just try to figure out who you are. And I think. For, for me at the time, he was he was unreal. Uh, sometimes I wish I got there healthy to see how that all would have played out because I feel like it could have he would have helped me jump leaps and bounds with what, where I was headed. But even getting him how I did and how he treated me and how he helped me get back to full health, um, yeah, I have a, a lot of love for Joey Wright, even though sometimes I wanted to run away and not, not play anymore because he was so tough on me. But I wouldn't have it any other way, and, and I really appreciate him as a person and a coach. What's it like and what impact does that have on the overall feel and chemistry of the group when the coach trusts the guys out on floor to make their decisions? Yeah, it's massive. And I think there's an element of two. He just, you know, he backs you in, but you also know that if, if you're not going to do the right stuff then you might not play. So there's that element of finding the right rhythm of it. And and you also know that he's willing to go with whoever's doing the job on the night. So if, if you're in and you're doing what you des- what you need to do and you're helping the group win, you're going to yeah. play. Yeah. And I think that enabled our group, especially with a lot of talent, to know that if you come in and you do the right stuff, it might be my night tonight and not Gibbo's night, or it might be Goulding's night and not Harvard's night. We had that kind of flow of it, and he was really the reason that was enabled to to be that way. What was it like when you walked out onto the floor in your debut? I, I can imagine it would have been an eccentric feeling. Um, I mean, the emotions would have overridden you seeing coming back from that injury. Yeah, I probably would say I was more nervous and panicking than excited. I mean, probably an <laughs> element of excited both, but I hadn't played a basketball game since before the accident. So that my first, I didn't play any other game like at a local comp or anything else. I just rolled mm. straight into an NBL game. So I was um, I was full of nerves, but it, it was something, I guess it was a lot of relief as well, um, just keep being back to doing what I loved. Now, you've had some overseas stints across your career. Can you take me through them and then also – adjusting to and fro um, to and from different leagues in the world, like coming back to Australia and then going over to Europe and things like that, adjusting to the European style of play? Yeah, it's definitely um, a different style. And it's obviously different when you go over and your coach is speaking a completely another language and you're waiting to hear that from someone else. And so there's that whole element of trying to figure out what's being said and so on. But I think the, the greatest thing about basketball is, there's similar concepts, there's similar ways of learning. Yes, it might be somewhat different the way they talk about it, but for me, I, I love the whole European style of game. It can be a bit slower, but it depends also which team you're on and and, and what they like to play like as well because every coach has their own way. And so for me, I loved it. It was a different experience. It was challenging. It was an environment where it's, it is very cutthroat and they're very intense about the way they go about it, but it's also an environment they're just people who love basketball and a lot of them mm. are so passionate about it that the European fans have been amongst that environment was something that I, um, I'll um i never forget and just a, a, a really remarkable place to be in when you're in those kind of environments. Yeah, absolutely. When the Gold Coast Blaze folded, unfortunately, um, throughout the few seasons that they were in the league, what was trying to find another club like? I know Mark Worthington's, I think it's been a part of five or six clubs um, in the NBL yeah. that, that have folded? What was that like for you? Yeah, it's obviously a weird time because, I, I mean, for me, I was off contract. So there was an element of like, 
I was going to have to see maybe what was around anyway when Gold Coast were figuring out what they were doing. And then there was a bunch of guys who just re-signed. So it was a really – it was a weird time. Um, and it was hard for a lot of people. Like a lot of people had families that were in school and things like that. So it was definitely a weird time for me. It wasn't as bad because I was just young and I didn't have all the stuff that I have now. But it, it's always challenging, especially seeing people go through it and some losing money and some losing other things. There was a lot of different things going on at the time. And so it, it's never an easy environment, that. And it, it's it's really good to see the NBL now in such a great place that that's kind of the last thoughts you have with things like that. And so uh, I think we're really in a great place as a league and, and as a whole in basketball. So when did you guys and the coaching and playing group all find out that it was folding? It was basically uh, uh, within a week, I think, a week and two weeks after the season. We actually found out, uh, me and a few other staff were going overseas. And so we found out when we were away that it was all wow. happening. So wow. it was even things like that. I remember we were I was overseas in, uh, I think I was in Cabo or Vegas or somewhere, and I basically got a message and we weren't going to get paid. And back then I was basically living paycheck to paycheck. So things like that, which, I mean, for me, as I said, I was on a holiday, but there's other people that are trying to feed families and all of a sudden your pay stopped. And so, yeah, it's definitely a thing that you wouldn't wish anyone to go through because it's definitely challenging and um, yeah, it's a tough one to go through. So without getting paid, you have to manage getting back from the U.S.? Well, lucky flights were booked and there were certain things I had a place and money saved up and so on. But, yeah, all that money you saved up, especially as a young fella, quickly goes missing. And uh, there's a lot of other things tied to it that you just, yeah, you're probably waiting on and you might have repayments on stuff. And so it definitely becomes a uh, just a, not an environment you really want to be in. And, and that's, as I said, it, it's it's so good to see that we've kind of moved away from that. And, and even back then, there were so many good people involved with the club that are affected with it, by, affected with it as well. Now, the 2013-14 NBL Championship Series going down 2-1, or I think it might have been something like that, to the Perth yeah. Wildcats. What was that like and how did that drive you for even more success? It was tough, man. It was really tough. It, we, the year before we came last, we lost like, I think, 10 games by under five points. And so then to turn, turn that around into being in the grand final, uh, we lose game one in Perth. I think the free throw count was like 45 to eight or something wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go back for game two in Hyde home and it was the best crowd I'd ever seen in, in Adelaide. It was like, I feel like that's what started Adelaide becoming more of a powerhouse with fans and stuff. Again, it was people like hanging from the roofs. It felt like, and so <laughs> we win that. And then we go to Perth for game three. I think it was at like 11 AM in the morning, the game, because it was oh. TV. So it was the weirdest thing. Like we woke up, had breakfast and went to the game and mm. we just got rolled. They just were too good for us that day. But, um, I can't go, I can't forget about game one on the free throw count. I can't help but feel that it played a major part in us not being able to get it done. Unfortunately, what was that free throw count like? What was what were the numbers and how did you feel? I don't remember specifically, but I do remember that us as a as a team that year, we got to the free throw line more than anyone else. We just had some guys like Gary Irvin, Daniel Johnson. We had a bunch of guys who were, were great at being able to get to the free throw line. And the way Joey played, we got up and down and and uh obviously to go to Perth and then be on the complete opposite end of that foul count. But I swear it was something like forty five to eight. That's the number I have in my head. But um, it was pretty lopsided, and I think we only lost that game by like six or seven points. So, in the end, they became way too good for us, especially that game three. But 
Um, if we win that game one and the foul count is a bit more even, I wonder what happens in game two. But we didn't win it, so it's all good. How'd that drive you for future years heading into Sydney? Oh, it's just one of those things you want to taste success. Obviously, I haven't won an NBL title. I've won everywhere else. I've kind of been with Australian teams and juniors and even off-season leagues. And so it's just it's something that I want to experience and taste. I've always seen myself as a team player. And so to be able to have a year that actually things work out for me and team that stays healthy and the club has it all sorted, I, I just, I'd love to experience that and, and uh, have that enjoyment amongst teammates of being able to win a title. Do you experience Gaze and Copes coaching at the Kings? Sure, did. Loved every minute of it. Really? What was that like? A ball of entertainment. Because you've, uh, you've got them too. They can go back and forth with each other all day. Oh, non-stop. They're constantly talking to each other, constantly playing shooting games. I used to actually play cards with them all the time. So I ended up hanging out with them more than anyone else on the road because I just wanted to play cards and join in on the banter. But um, I loved it. I'd play, I'd play for Drewy any day of the week. He's a great man. Copes was a great addition to him. We had Dean Vickerman there the first year as an assistant too with him, which just was another great addition to those guys. And um, yeah, I just, I have so much time and respect for both of them for what they've done, but just as people and, and how they went about it. Yeah, absolutely. What about the factors and style of play between different coaches? Let's say Joey Wright and Andrew Gaze. Yeah, you get a mix, right? You have guys of some of them, what they grew up in and some of them, what they kind of, feel works and so I've always fortunately felt like I understand the game really well so being able to transition in and out of what people want I can kind of see what they're trying to get done so I feel like I can always help it but everyone's got their different styles not many these days sometimes a league has similar I would say similar style it's probably similar style they play a certain way we're starting to see a bit more of a change recently to teams play different ways um Mm -hmm. Where we, there was a few years where it was very similar throughout the throughout most teams, but I think um, every coach has their own little feel for it. Some of them just steal other people's stuff and put their own little spin on it. It's always an interesting thing, and and that's part of the coaching. And I guess uh, finding ways to keep improving and finding things that work. What's the best thing so far since twenty eighteen about playing with the Brisbane Bullets? Um. The early years was a group we were trying to put together. Obviously, Dre had an idea and we had so much fun with the Boomers uh, through the Asia Cup and things like that that Dre was really trying to put a similar group together and we were just trying to build it. And for a few years there, we really found ourselves pushing and finding our ways to try and make playoffs where the last few years has kind of gone, I wouldn't say backwards, but it's definitely just gone in another direction and, and some things haven't worked in our favor. And so now it's about finding our way back to that stage and, and trying to get back to being a thing. But the, the league, the, the clubs, the people around the club, the people that support it has definitely been massive and something I've really enjoyed being part of. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a bit of a rocky season this year. Obviously, you had JD as a coach and then Sam, Sammy Mack comes in. What was Sammy Mack like as a coach? Because he's got a great basketball mind. What was that like to have GM come in, step in as a head coach? Yeah, I was really sorry, my young fellow's just gonna come. I was really excited about it because Sammy just he understands what he wants and he's kind of old school in the way that he he just kind of really he just delivers the message he wants to deliver. Louis, sorry. He What's his really name? delivers them Louis. Louis, you wanna say hi? Hey Louis, how are you? What do you think of dad? Do you think he's a good basketballer? He said, Do you like basketball? Do you think dad's good at basketball? No answer. No. Uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, I just think Sammy really understood kind of 
what he wanted from the group and what he wanted to change. And I think that was what the group needed at the time. Now, obviously, no one knew what was really going on, but I have a lot of respect for Sam McKinnon as a, as a person and what he's achieved as a basketball player. And I just think that his influence on the group would have been really great had he had a long-term look at being a coach. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you mentioned the gold medal in the Asia Cup and Andre Lamanis trying to put a consistent group together to go and make finals. What was that like? One of the best trips I've ever been on in terms of we just had a great group of guys. We were away for a long time. Sometimes those road trips can get really, I wouldn't say, like they don't get boring, but you just get in a routine. You're away. It's hotel food. You're just living out of a bag. But we had a group that just, we had so much fun off the court. And on the court, it was just exactly what you want to be a part of. People playing for the right reasons. People don't care what they're playing, how many minutes, as long as they can help in some way, even if it's towel waving. And that Asia Cup especially was something that I'll remember forever as one of the best, I guess, periods of just involvement as a team that I've ever had. And then the Commonwealth Games to win a medal at home was was just really uh, one of those things you'll never forget. The 350-game milestone this year, can you take me through that day for you? Well, it was nice to get a win because I feel like in most milestone games I've had, we've got flocked. Yeah. So... <laughs> So I was quite appreciative of the boys to help us get a win. Um, it, it's one of those things, I guess, I, I've never really thought too much about how many games I've played or those kind of things. But when those kind of moments tick up and some of your teammates, the things they mention about you and, and the kind of the, I guess now with social media, the attention it gets from people just sending you messages, it's 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 a really cool feeling. And I feel like when I, it's more the people I receive messages from when I've got ex-teammates, ex-coaches, People I've been around messaging me saying congrats, mate. It just makes me feel like I've done the right thing as, as a player and as a person. And it's just the space that I've, uh, I feel grateful to be a part of and grateful to have been in it for such a long time. The year, this year, the win against Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, you drop an absolute dagger. Can you take me through that? Yeah, well, it was definitely, I, I had a few games where I just hadn't really shot the ball too well. So, I was felt like I was overdue uh, to have a decent game, but look, it was just that was one of those moments too. We just we hadn't we hadn't found success, and we we were playing the right way. It just wasn't working out for us, and so to to actually get a win was more what I was excited about than what I ever did. But obviously, it was definitely nice to get some shots as we went with it. Yeah, absolutely. Who do you think is going to win the championship? Ah, oh, jeez, mate. I think it's hard to go past Sydney, right? They play such a great style of basketball and they've really got their whole group figured out and they play through Zave and and, and Walton does a great job anchoring at everything and, and kind of get it all going. So I think you'd have to have Sydney on top as the as the favourites and, and they'll go a long way to winning it for sure. Jason, one last question before I let you go. What's been the highlight of NBL 23 for you and what's Soaps like to play with? Oh, unfortunately, not many, but I'd say the three fiftieth ticking off that um, was definitely a, a, a cool achievement, and, and just the way the the boys got around me for it. Um, I think, I think in terms of Sobs, what what you see is what you get with him. He's really evolved as a as a person on the floor and, and as a teammate. I think he's he's someone you can rely on to really try and help young fellas and. And I've always loved playing with Soaps because I know I'm going to get the ultimate competitor who just tries to do whatever he can to win. And so I have an understanding of him and he has an understanding of me. And I think we work really well together and that's why we enjoy playing alongside each other but also enjoy each other as mates. Absolutely. Jason, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been an absolute honour to have you on.
No, appreciate you having me, mate. I know we spoke about getting on here for a long time. So, pleasure jumping on at any time. Thanks, Jason. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Wax. We'll see you soon. This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEM.